Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrisburg Baptist Church. My name is Dr. Paul Gibson. I'm the senior pastor here. And normally, if you are listening, you would also hear our associate pastor, Jonathan Johnston, uh, on the podcast with me. Uh, But Jonathan is out this week, and Bo also, our worship pastor, is out. So it'll just be me, a much more informal setting, usually we record in our studios uh, at the church, but today you are hearing me as I record uh, in my home office. Uh, But I pray that you're doing well, and today we are going to continue to work through the book of Proverbs. Our youth pastor, uh, David Carpenter, uh, two weeks ago launched our series in Proverbs, He explained to us how Proverbs is a book of wisdom uh, from the Lord to us. Uh, And if you were to read Proverbs, you would know that it is written in a style as a father writing to a son. So David introduced the series a couple of weeks ago. Last week, I preached on Proverbs 4. And today, I am going to uh, talk with you about Proverbs 5. And here's something that I need to say at the very beginning of our time together today. Proverbs 5 is very focused on marital relationships, and I say it that way because if you have little ears listening, uh, I encourage you to really uh, think through uh, if you want your son or your daughter to listen uh, to what uh, is about to be uh, discussed in Proverbs 5. It's about marital relationships. I would say that if your child is uh, third or fourth grade and below, uh, they might not uh, be prepared to hear this. Uh, But if your child is older, uh, my philosophy and belief has always been it's better to address some of these topics openly with your child. Uh, Otherwise, they're going to be hearing it in the hallways of school uh, and on social media and on television. So Proverbs 5 is about marital relationships. If you get my drift, uh, I want to give you just a second to make a decision on whether or not uh, you want your child listening. If you're listening on the radio, I'm going to pause If you are listening to the podcast, you can go and hit the pause button, make the decision yourself. But I'm going to give you just four or five seconds to make the decision on whether or not you want your child to listen today. Okay, now let's move on. Proverbs 5, it addresses relationships, and more specifically, it it addresses um, sexual intimacy uh, relationship. In other words, um, what does a healthy marriage looks like when it comes to sexual intimacy? I think in order to understand Proverbs 5, we have to look at the larger context of Scripture, and we actually uh, need to start in Genesis 2. At the end of Genesis 2, the second creation story, and I don't mean stories in fiction, it's just a story written by the Lord, so I believe it's true. Genesis 2.24 says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Let me be very clear here. We see two things at the very end of Genesis 2. Adam and Eve have sexual intimacy, or they experience sexual intimacy. They became one flesh. I encourage you not to think too much about that phrase one flesh literally means the act of sexual intimacy and in verse 25 we see that they were both naked and they felt no shame so in the very beginning of scripture we see that sexual intimacy is uh, created by the lord and it is approved by the lord but there's a very big caveat that we must identify adam and eve and the verse before this 
Verse 23, the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. What we see here and what a lot of scholars believe and what I believe is the first marriage covenant ceremony. Adam and Eve come together. Um, they enter into a covenant of being together, which today we called marriage. Then sexual intimacy follows. So I think it's very important to point out that God's uh, ordained plan for sexual intimacy was a covenant marriage, then the experience of sexual intimacy by the couple. Now there's another passage that I want to read that's actually later in uh, the Torah or in the Old Testament law, and that's Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18.20 says this, Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself with her. What's going on here? What Scripture is saying is that when a man covenants himself to a woman and a woman covenants herself uh, to a man in marriage, they are to belong to each other when it comes to sexual intimacy and only to each other. So I want to uh, again go back and, and cover one more time what we just learned from Genesis and Leviticus. The Lord created uh, sexual intimacy to be experienced within the context of marriage. There's no shame for sexual intimacy in the context of marriage and the Lord only wants us to experience sexual intimacy in the context of marriage with our spouse. Now with all that being said, we can move on to Proverbs 5. So Proverbs 5.1 says this, My son, pay attention to my wisdom, turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Now let me pause. We talked about this last week. Verse 1 says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight. The father is telling his son, Listen to what I'm about to say, so much so that you bend your ear, that you work extremely hard to not just hear what I'm about to say, but to digest what I am about to say. And what's the father addressing? He's addressing sexual intimacy and sexual relationships. Verse 3, For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. What is the father teaching the son? He is telling the son in verse 3 to stay away from the adulterous woman. Now, I really wrestled uh, with this passage as I was preparing uh, this podcast and, and a radio cast, and I, was, I am still am preparing to preach this Sunday, because here we have a very explicit um, uh, teaching from the father to the son to avoid the adulterous woman. And what we're going to see in the next few verses of Proverbs 5 is the adulterous woman is frowned upon uh, in a very negative way. And I had to wrestle with what we see in the New Testament, which is the story of the adulterous woman being uh, brought to Jesus, and the, uh, the rulers, the Pharisees, were ready to stone the adulterous woman. And I really wrestled with how Jesus' actions in that story, where he forgave the adulterous woman, line up with the adulterous woman in Proverbs 5. And a few things I want to say here. Number one, please remember that Proverbs is written as a book from a father to a son. So the reason that it's not written, or the reason it's not addressing the adulterous man 
is because this book is being written from a father to a son. The second thing that I want to point out is, I think we can say without a stretch at all when it comes to Scripture, is that Proverbs here is not just addressing a specific adulterous woman, but Proverbs here is simply addressing sexual temptation. And uh, the adulterous woman today that we may encounter might not be on uh, the marketplace streets like it was back when Proverbs was written. It may be on TV. It may be on a streaming show. It may be on our phones with the temptation to look at uh, uh, pornography. So, again, I want to be very clear here that the adulterous woman is not just addressing a single person. It's talking about sexual temptation in general. And we are bombarded in today's culture by sexual temptation. Well, that's the first thing that then I think we need to point out from Proverbs 5, is that sexual temptation is real. It's real. Whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're married or not, sexual temptation is real. And what the author or what the father is saying to the son here is, stay away from it. Stay away from sexual temptation. And, and he describes uh, sexual temptation as looking good, as feeling good. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. Um, there's a reason that we're enticed by sex. There's a reason that we're uh, enticed by images. It's because God made us that way. But that is why we had to start in Genesis and Leviticus. Because yes, the Lord wants us uh, to be sexually attracted to our spouse. Yes, the Lord wants us to be uh, sexually active with our spouse. But outside of that, it may look good, it may be enticing, but it's not biblical. And I will go one step further and say that because it's not biblical, it's not healthy. So again, please know that sexual temptation is real. If you're a human, which you are, you will at some point struggle with sexual temptation, whether you're married or not. And here's another thing that I encourage you to see from this passage is that giving in to sexual temptation will greatly harm your marriage and life. Now I want to say that one more time. Giving in to sexual temptation will greatly harm your marriage and life. How do I know that? Well, look at verse 5. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead to the grave. Now we could look at this passage and say, oh, that's metaphorical. Uh, giving in a sexual temptation will not cause us to die. Well, it will in two ways. Number one, it will cause our reputations to die. And we see that in verse 14 when it says, And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Uh, the man that gave in to sexual temptation, his sin was exposed, and he experienced public shaming. So yes, our reputations will die. And then secondly, because of sexually transmitted diseases, and I know this is kind of blunt, but this is what Scripture is addressing, uh, we can get sick from illicit sex. A sex outside of marriage is not necessarily safe because um, of, 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 again, the, the lack of honoring the commitment of one person to one person within marriage. And again, I want to point out that giving in to sexual temptation will greatly harm your marriage and life. It, it could hurt your body. It could hurt your, hurt your reputation. But then I want to keep reading in verse 7. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honors to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. What's being said here? He is saying that if you are sexually active with someone who is not your spouse, if you take a risk 
uh, and participating in illicit sex, what could very possibly happen is uh, your honor, your dignity will be lost to others. In other words, you're selling yourself out. You're selling your honor out. You're selling your reputation out. You're selling your spouse out for the experience of sex. And verse 10, it says, Let strangers feast on your wealth and your toil, and your toil enrich the house of another. Um, you know, there's a phrase in our society that you may have heard before. It's called gold digger. Uh, of a woman that uh, dates a man or tries to be sexual with a man uh, just to uh, take advantage of his money. And that can go both ways. A man can do the same to a woman. A lot, uh, some of the scholars that I've read this week said that in an in a old school kind of way, in a Hebrews kind of way, that verses, uh, verse 10 is talking about a female or a woman that will sleep with a man just to take advantage uh, of his profit, just to take advantage of uh, his wealth. So again, Proverbs is saying, be careful. Keep sexual, intimacy inside, uh, keep sexual intimacy inside of marriage. Don't adventure outside of marriage. Otherwise, you're taking a chance of encountering someone who may not be sleeping with you because they love you, but they're sleeping with you because they want your finances. And what's the result of all that? Verse 11, at the end, your life will groan when your flesh and body are spent. Again, a very, um, I think, a very explicit uh, account of what possibly happens when we get involved in sexual intimacy outside of marriage and it's not safe and we experience things like STDs. Verse 12, you will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. You know, in my line of work as a pastor and as a pastoral counselor, uh, I've sat in a few rooms with a few clients who have had to grieve their decision to be sexually active outside of marriage. And they may not say the exact words of verse 12, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction, but they say it in so many words. In other words, they say, I wish I would have not participated in that affair. I wish I would not have developed an addiction to pornography. I wish I would not have had, had that emotional affair. Yeah. Scripture tells us um, that our sins will be made, will be made known. And if you're participating in, a, in an illicit sexual relationship, if you're participating in a physical or an emotional affair, uh, if you're addicted to porn, uh, if you're looking at porn, please know that you can't stuff that down. You can't hide that. Scripture says, be sure your sins will find you out. Your sin will affect you, and it will eventually affect your marriage, and it will eventually affect your family. So, please know sexual temptation is real and giving in to sexual temptation will greatly harm your marriage and life. It's kind of scary. But the good news is there's an anecdote. There's an anecdote to this sexual temptation. And that anecdote is healthy amounts of sexual intimacy within marriage. I want to say that one more time. The anecdote to sexual temptation is healthy amounts of sexual intimacy within marriage. Well, how do I know that? Let's look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Now, verse 18 through 20 gets pretty explicit. Verse 18. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, 
May her breath satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? Now, there is a lot here in the Hebrew uh, that quite honestly, as I was studying this week, uh, man, I was uh, overwhelmed in a good way. I found myself, um, uh, oh, what, I can't think of the term, uh, not embarrassed because we shouldn't be in, embarrassed by healthy sexual intimacy. Uh, but I guess I found myself blushing um, because of just how blunt the Hebrew is when it comes to this passage. I'm not going to go there. But again, I just encourage you uh, to go back, read the words, and know that the anecdote to sexual temptation is healthy amounts of sexual intimacy within marriage. What the author of Proverbs is saying to his young son is, enjoy sexual intimacy within marriage. Enjoy your wife. And I think that if, if the tables were turned and this were a woman uh, writing or a mother writing to her daughter, she would say, enjoy your husband. Uh, we see words like, may your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Literally, the father is saying, may your uh, sexual intimacy with your wife be blessed. May it be something um, that causes you to experience joy. May you be satisfied with her body. May it be so intense that you're intoxicated with her love. Now again, there is a lot there that in the Hebrew gets very explicit. But the bottom line is, what Scripture is saying is the anecdote to sexual temptation is healthy, holy, fun, joyful, fulfilling sexual intimacy within marriage. Which leads me to the last thing that I want to talk about today. The health of sexual intimacy in a marriage is an indicator of that marriage's overall health. Now I want to say that one more time. The health of sexual intimacy within a marriage is an indicator of that marriage's overall health. In other words, if a couple is struggling with sexual intimacy, there's probably a good chance that there are deeper issues within their marriage. And the reason I want to end today by focusing on that is by saying, I encourage you, regardless of your age, to, and if you're married, to look at the health of your uh, sexual intimacy within your marriage. Uh, are you experiencing sexual intimacy? Um, are you and your spouse setting aside times to be with each other physically? Um, if not, I encourage you to ask, is there a deeper problem there? Emotional intimacy um, comes before sexual intimacy. And many couples struggle with sexual intimacy because they're struggling with emotional intimacy. In other words, they're struggling to connect. So, and, and we see this in Song of Solomon, and I don't have time to go there today, but if you want to have a healthy uh, marriage with healthy sexual intimacy, you have to have a healthy marriage with healthy emotional intimacy. In other words, you are uh, attaching and connecting in emotional ways with your spouse. So for many of us, we may be listening today thinking, man, I want to have a healthy amounts of sexual intimacy, sexual intimacy within my marriage, but my marriage is broken. Well, for some of us, that's where we need to start today. Not necessarily focusing on sexual intimacy, but focusing on how our marriage is broken. Focusing on how we have grown distant from our spouse. Focusing on how we're no longer connecting with our spouse. And we need to run to the Lord and say, Lord, show me how to fix my marriage. Cry out to Him in prayer. 
And, and then I encourage you to take a very practical step. Get help. Um, get help to understand why you're not connecting emotionally. And you may be listening today and you may be connecting emotionally, but you're struggling to connect sexually. Well, maybe you need to go to the doctor. There's no shame in that. Or maybe you need to go see a, uh, a marriage counselor together. Maybe you're simply uh, just struggling to communicate your sexual desires with one another. And again, the temptation may be as we listen to, to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's talking about this. Friends, it's in Scripture. Again, that's why we started with Genesis and, and Leviticus. God ordains sexual intimacy within marriage to be good. And if we don't claim it, if we do not work to make sexual intimacy within our marriages good, good our children are not going to see what a healthy marriage looks like society will not see what a healthy marriage looks like and it'll turn to porn and it'll turn to hollywood and it'll turn to snapchat to receive teachings that it should be receiving from god's design within marriage so if you are struggling with sexual intimacy within your marriage get help it's okay if you're struggling with emotional intimacy within marriage Get help. It's okay. And there's two other things that I want to say. As we get older, um, the ability for our physiological bodies to experience sexual intimacy declines. That doesn't mean we still cannot be physical with our spouse. And it may not be uh, complete sexual intimacy, but we have to make sure that we continue to connect physically with our spouse. Hand-holding, hugging, cuddling. Um, so please, if you're older and you're listening and you're thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me, it does. Because you can still be physical uh, in, in as many ways possible as you can uh, to show your spouse that you care about them. Last thing I want to say. Maybe you're young. Or maybe um, you are listening and you are living with someone and you're not married and you're really wrestling with I want to follow the Lord, but I love this person, and I'm hearing from Dr. Paul that this, uh, our sexual intimacy outside of marriage is not holy, it's not biblical, what do I do? I want to encourage you to do whatever you can in a healthy and appropriate way to align your, marital or your non-marital relationship with Scripture's design for marriage. So in other words, if you are a couple that's been living together for a long time that is experiencing sexual intimacy with one another, Go ahead and make that marital commitment, that marital covenant with one another, and enter into the covenant of marriage. Go next level, make that commitment to that person and show them, hey, that this is not just a passing thing, that I am committed to you for the rest of my life. And I promise you that if you make that covenant commitment to match the way you're already living, I think the Lord will bless your marriage, and I think the Lord will bless your sexual intimacy within that marriage. Man, whew, that's a lot. And again, I was tempted to not preach on this, but it's in Scripture. It's in the Bible. The Lord wants us to have healthy marital sex lives. But again, within marriage. And the anecdote to sexual temptation is healthy amounts of sexual intimacy within marriage. So again, let me review. Sexual temptation is real. Giving in to sexual temptation will greatly harm your marriage in life. The anecdote to sexual temptation is, a, is healthy amounts of sexual intimacy within marriage. And then finally, uh, the health of sexual intimacy within a marriage is an indicator uh, of how that marriage's overall health is doing. So again, 
If you have other questions, if you need help, feel free to, to email me, uh, paul at harrisburgbaptist.org. Uh, reach out to a pastor that you know. Reach out to a good counselor. Get help. And I pray, friends, and this is kind of a, a fun prayer to pray at the end of our time together, that if you are married, that you are experiencing healthy amounts of sexual intimacy within that marriage. This has been the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. Uh, you can find us on the web at harrodsburgbaptist.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, if you need any help from the church, you can email us at office at harrodsburgbaptist.org, or you can call 859-734-2339. Thanks for listening today.